Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Hour Blitz right here on Apple Podcasts and uh, Blog Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez. And we're going to have a great show today. We're going to be talking lots of football in the women's scene. An amazing, amazing weekend. Um, so it's going to be an awesome uh, recap. LNFA Feminina, literally one week into the playoffs here. Crucial weekend coming up for them. Great Hour Victoria. Also into the playoffs, we got semifinals coming up in Gridiron Victoria. We had uh, some huge events overseas, the Diamond Bowl over in um, in Sweden, which was the uh, Birmingham Lions, big winners from Baffle Women, taking on a couple of the Swedish teams, including the Valkyries from Russia. Huge event there. So shout out to the Birmingham Lions out there for their amazing uh, success in the tournament. They went undefeated in the tournament. Uh, says a lot about their program, 11-11 matchup there. Then we're going to be diving into LFL Week 1, which was Blitz versus Temptation. And then we're going to kind of preview Week 2, which is the Nashville Knights debut of Danica Brace taking on the Austin Acoustic. And we'll dive into WFA and IWFL Week 3, preview Week 4. And today we are excited to have uh, a new co-host, on the show, and we're going to, uh, alongside Troy Wilson, Holly Custis, Louise Bean, uh, we're going to have the uh, talented Tracy Brick of the, the uh, former Chicago Force, as well as uh, of Gridiron Queensland, and the uh, Outback National Team as well. So, um, guys, uh, welcome to the show. It's going to be a huge show today, episode 219. And then on top of that, we are going to have the interview today at, uh, in a couple minutes here with the WFA owner of the Philly Phantoms, Star Wright. Uh, she's going to be talking the 2018. And the Phantoms have been uh, very competitive in their first three matchups. Even though their record is 0-3, they have played Division One and Tier 2 as well. And so they've come on on the short end of things. But they are a very up-and-coming team. So, uh, guys, welcome. Uh, big weekend in football. And I have been working my butt off all week, the last seven days. Um, it's just been pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, um, it's been a great season so far. And uh, I'm looking forward to see uh, what happens the rest of the season and all the leagues that uh, are playing currently and, uh, I'm just glad to have a moment to get back on on the podcast and, and, and talk football. Holly, uh, you were there for uh, Utah Falcons uh, Majestics. Really great broadcast. Rebecca did a great job on the broadcast. So, um, give us your take on the on uh, the matchup against the Falcons. That was pretty awesome. Uh, pretty awesome broadcast, but also pretty competitive game. I mean, the score didn't reflect that because it was 33 to seven, but uh, you. Yeah, I mean, we knew going in it was going to be a tough matchup. I mean, there's a reason why Utah hasn't, you know, I think they've lost like one game in the last few years here. Um, and we were excited because we, we felt like we have 
a lot of great athletes on both sides of the ball to try to keep up with them. Um, you know, it's one of those things that uh, it didn't go our way, but I also feel like we learned a lot not only about their team, you know, because it's been a few years since Seattle's played them, but also about ourselves. And I think any team that's a good team trying to become a great team, if you lose, you have to try to figure out what you can learn from it so that you can get better. And I think uh, that's kind of what happened to us. Um, it was fun playing Utah. I know a lot of people on that side of the ball, and it's always fun playing people that you know. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to hopefully playing them again soon, maybe in the playoffs, maybe. Um, but uh, we'd like a, another shot at it. Awesome. Um, Louise, uh, did you suit up? Is that what I hear? Did you just get the bug back? Oh, yeah, well, um it's actually been in the works for a long time just because, uh, like I said, I've just been helping the team and doing stuff. And, yeah, missing football is really hard. Um, but the coach had asked a long time ago, and I said, hey, you're going to have to pick that up with the hubby and see what he says, you know, because it's a time commitment, it's a financial commitment, and that kind of thing. So he called us the hubby, and the hubby and I talked, and he just said, hey, you know, we want to protect against injuries and um, and every team faces injuries. And so he just said, hey, I want you to come for these two games and come to the practices and have yourself ready, and then you'll be eligible for the playoffs if there was a need. So I said, okay, that sounds like some fun. But it's fun. It's different, um, as you could imagine. It's different, but, you know, I love the sport and I love my teammates, and it was great to just, be on the field and hang out with them all. So uh, you just have to prepare totally differently. You don't get the reps with people around you, but I just did a lot of mental and studying and working out and just all that kind of stuff. So I guess if it keeps you in shape from swollen up and getting fat and overweight, then there you go. Sounds great. Well, happy to have you back on the field. That's the great news for Utah and for uh, football fans as well. Um, Let's bring in, our uh, a new addition to the Gridiron Blitz podcast right here on Apple Podcasts and Blog Talk Radio, and that is the amazing Tracy Brick, formerly Tracy Day, <laughs> Hi guys. and great pioneer of the uh, Gridiron Queensland. She started the league originally yeah. out there as one of the members, and then Outback uh, national team member and Chicago Force All-Star. So, Tracy, we're, we're happy to have you on. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Welcome. Well, Thank you. We got an Aussie. The Aussie accent. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we Coach have an Kinecki Aussie. Yes. Showed me. <laughs> Coach Kinecki asked me to speak very slowly and uh, <laughs> enunciate my words properly. <laughs> what a guy. What a guy. <laughs> no, but so, really, Tracy, tell, so the, tell, the tell the listeners. To be here. Tell the listeners a little bit about you and, uh, you know, how you started uh, Queensland and before we, we have a couple of minutes here before the interview, but tell the listeners about Mm -hmm. you and uh, your journey so far. Yeah. Well, um, as you mentioned, I think it was probably in 2011, um, a core group of, of women got together and, and uh, created what began as the, the league in Queensland or the first of its kind in, in Australia and and since then it's definitely 
had a lot of changes and and developments uh, within the sport and and obviously the most successful being that we were able to participate last year in in the World Championships. So um, the sport's definitely changed a lot. Um, I was actually involved with LFL in the very beginning. That's what got me into football. Uh, And then um, the the league in Australia and then met Coach Konecki uh, when he came out to help select and coach the Australian national team and he set the uh, he planted the seed at that point for me to potentially come over to Chicago and uh, that was probably by far the best thing that I've ever ever done the best decision and had an opportunity to play two great years with the team before the the franchise finished up and um, it was definitely I think a highlight in my career for sure so I'm excited to now take a back seat like Louise said I'm a I'm a retired player, so I'm sure the preparation for games would be uh, <laughs> would be very different than it was in the beginning. My body's a little old and a little tired now, so I'm looking to get involved in, in different ways in the sport. Well, we, we're happy to have you on. We are actually very happy that you reached out to us and you want to be part of the podcast to talk about that. And um, your insights will give us an, interna- an international view that we've been talking about on the show for a long time, but now we actually get a legit person that has experienced, um, you know, a growth of league out there in uh, in the international realm, which is Australia as well. And um, Tracy, okay, what's so, uh, how excited are you about the, the WAGL this this uh, this year? It's it's going to be huge. We, we have another region. I think South Australia still has not committed, but – for the most part, it's it's a huge tournament, and then WA hosting it is even bigger. Yeah, it's definitely a huge step forward for our sport, and uh, you know, there's there's been some changes. I think the first time that the WA at AGL ever played, it was you know seven aside, and then went to nine aside. So um, it's exciting that we can host you know four different states. Unfortunately, I think ACT actually pulled out of the tournament, which. Um, I think had to do with numbers at that point. So um, they've always struggled traditionally as a state to, to get enough players to to commit to, you know, a regular season. So it was always going to be tough for them. But the girls are excited. They're ramping up their, their practices and, and fundraising and really preparing for the trip to Western Australia. And I think it's going to be great to see some of those Australian players that represented um, last year really, you know, I guess, setting the pace for, for some of those newer teams that are coming into the competition. So I think it's going to be exciting. And it seems like a, a new kind of format playing everything over a weekend. And I'm sure the girls will have a lot of fun. All right, guys. So just a reminder, you guys can visit our Zazzle shop at No Joke Football Shop at Zazzle.com. That's our sponsor. Uh, you can get cool T-shirts, leggings, gifts. Use the daily code, save big at Zazzle.com. You can subscribe to Zazzle Black and get free shipping for about nine bucks. So check it out. And if you guys haven't been in tune with what's going on in the women's game, check out our Facebook page at Gridiron Beauties for weekly updates, breaking news, and inspiring stories. Um, Check it out weekly. And there is uh, probably over seven to eight years of content. So if you scroll down the news feed, you can pretty pretty much find anything very interesting and enlightening about uh, the women's game on both sides, full kit and non-full kit. So we are very, very happy. And this, uh, this past week, given all the live streams and everything else that's going on in the game, and everybody's been doing a fantastic job with Facebook Live or getting some sort of partner like Town Square um, and then the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, Atlanta Phoenix doing their, their thing with, the, uh, with their uh, streaming live as well. 
we've been able to garner like a lot of reach. And I know a lot of the teams that I've been messaging with have also been able to get at least uh, anywhere from 300 to close to 1,200 or more viewers, and they're increasing almost weekly. So that's a, that's, that's a positive move right there for awareness. What do you guys I've think seen of that? A lot of the streams, and I've seen a lot of the streams, and they're really good, and it just really helps with the awareness of the sport, and it just makes you want to watch it. And I just need way more of that. How great is it, too, that, you know, everyone can watch it overseas? I mean, Facebook has just opened up so much uh, exposure, like you said, to the international market. And it it was great having family and friends back home being able to watch games. I'm sure Holly, you know, Danielle probably had the same experience. Like, it's, it's pretty cool that it can reach as many people as it does. Yeah, I, I love yeah, it so because um, <clears throat> when I have people that are far away and they can't actually physically go to the game, I just click on the link and I say, here you go. And then I think uh, you guys are right. Um, it's a natural progression considering how marketing has changed to be, you know, social and on the Internet. And I think as teams start to develop it and it gets better and better and better, it's only going to help the sport um, with exposure. So, um, I think everybody needs to uh, continue to do what they're doing, and uh, I think it will help. Are you on the road, Holly? Listen, the, 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 uh, the, everything right now is, is driven by social media. So, I mean, really, if you, if you, you rarely want to go to websites anymore. So a lot of times if you're Googling a company or you're Googling a sports team, the first thing that comes up is their social media page. So it is a natural progression to go through social media to broadcast some of these games, and I think it was just ingenious. I thought it was a great idea um, a few years ago. I believe it was the um, Jaguars and the Titans. They were broadcasting on on Twitter one one of their games, and I just thought it was a brilliant idea to do that. And then especially, you know, with some of the leagues with with cost being an issue, uh, you know, a real issue, it's a, it's a good way to still get your product out there. And you can also do it at a low cost, so it's definitely a win-win for anybody who can, um, you know, muster up and get a, get a nice little stream, a nice little feed going to watch the game. Are you guys getting static lines or that? Yeah, I'm getting a little static. You guys hear me? I'm getting a little bit of static. I'm getting a little yeah, bit no, of static. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Big yeah, joy. It's good. Everybody in general. But, um, but no, it's, it's been exciting because uh, a lot of the work that's been put in uh, behind the scenes is, is now, and I think uh, the awareness is, is growing and able to, you know, able to watch a game when they feel like it or replay it. It's huge. And I know, I, you know, I couldn't watch all the games. Um, yesterday or the day before, but I was able to watch him, you know, uh, the first day and then the second day. And I watched Kansas City versus the Vixen. I also watched uh, uh, Phoenix. Um, so it was kind of nice to watch that. And I watched Utah versus Seattle as well. So uh, it was kind of nice to uh, football. And the big step. Oscar, you're sounding like you're an alien. 
Uh oh, maybe they got him. <laughs> I, I I know I know I'm getting like cutting and cutting out. So I don't know if it's the the broadcast or my phone or what. Yeah, you kind of sound like like um, you know like an alien. It cuts in and out, and then I get this. <laughs> no, it sounds like I cut any cutting and out. So I don't know if it's the broadcast, the the blog talk, or what, but. Uh, um, so that's probably going to be a little a different today, and that's it. Um, let's see here. Let me put somebody back on here. Hold on for a second. There we go. So we're all back on there. Um, let's go into the huddle, you guys, uh, sponsored by uh, Zazzle.com. And uh, you, like I say, you can get your leggings, cool tees, and gifts. And let's go into the huddle, and let's bring in the talented and owner of the Philly Phantoms, and that would be Star Wright. Um, she should be coming in here on as soon as I get her activated here. Um, let me see here. Get her on. Star, can you hear me? Can you guys hear me or at all? I can hear you. I, I can hear you, yeah. Okay. Okay. Let me try to get her on. I think my switchboard is acting up for some reason, and that's not cool at all. So let's see if I can get her on. Let's see here. There we are. Star, uh, sorry about the uh, technical problems here we're having so far. Um, but welcome to the no show, worries. The Blitz. We wanted to talk about we wanted to talk about Philly Phantoms because you guys have had such a great success in 2017, and then the first three games have been so competitive that uh, you know we want to bring you on and give you some props because your team has done such an amazing job against D1 and D2 so far. Well, thank you so much. We re- we we appreciate that. Um, we 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 always have a harder schedule than most people, and we just take it in stride. Now, is that something you you're striving for? Because I know we talked to Miss um, uh, Moody out there in Tampa, Florida, and she was like, "I got to get more competitive schedule for the team so that when we get to the playoffs, it's kind of like you know it's already tested, a tested team." So, is that your feeling too with the schedule? Well, I think that. Um, we have a lot of competitive teams in our area, so that's why we probably get a lot of them on our schedule. Um, and, I mean, we, we, we get a lot of D1 uh, games um, and, and high-level D2 games, but we welcome them. They make us a better team. So we, we actually appreciate the schedule. Now, uh, Star, uh, can you let the fans know about your background, how you started and all that, a, a quick bio on you? Because, I mean, it's, very interesting story on your behalf. Sure. Um, well, I started playing with the Philadelphia Firebirds uh, some years back. <laughs> um, I played for them a few years, and then I played in the LFL for two years. I broke my shoulder, um, so I got out of that league and then went back to 
I actually was playing both at the same time, LFL and um, IWFL at the same time. So once I broke my shoulder, I went full-time back with the Firebirds. And my last season with the Firebirds, um, I was in a really horrific car accident, um, and I didn't think I would ever be able to play football again. And luckily I uh, had a couple good friends on the Firebirds, and we kind of collectively decided that we'll just uh, branch off and and start uh, start a new team. And, and that's what we did. I was able to recover from my car accident, and we started the Phantoms, and um, we've, we've been rolling ever since. Um, I tried out for Team USA last year and made the team. Um, however, during one of our games last year, I was um, hit on my side and suffered a lacerated liver and spleen, had to get emergency surgery. I was bleeding internally. So I made the trip with Team USA, but I wasn't able to uh, physically play. Um, but I, I felt just as much as a team member as if I was playing. So it was it was wonderful. Um, this year, we, we, we were going into this year really positively. Uh, despite what most people know, we, we do have some um, a lot of injuries to some of our uh, vet players. So our first game against Boston, we suffered two really significant injuries. Um, our second game against New York, we also came up short with a few injuries. And going into D.C., we actually went into D.C. with 20 players um, and to their 49. Um, it was a mixture of injuries and uh, just, just some personal issues with some of the players. Um, so we, we going into D.C., I can honestly say that um, we won't look like that going into our next game, unfortunately. Uh I didn't want to forfeit the game. I decided to play regardless. So, you know, we we did what we could with what we had. Yeah, I know. And, and very impressive, very impressive competitive games, the first two, even with the, like you said, the injuries. And a lot of teams around the league are starting to, are starting to see that. Elites, uh, elites injury prone as well. You have a couple of teams that were very uh, injury prone all all the way all over the nation, all over the nation pretty much. And that's kind of common in some instances with certain positions. And so that's unfortunate. But like you said, at some point you have to make a decision. You had 20. You could have forfeited if you wanted to, and and probably just for that. It was actually an advantage for us for our rookies and a lot of our first time players because they were actually able to uh, get in the game and, and see how it is to play a really competitive team. We we actually love playing D.C. They're very aggressive and uh, very competitive. We respect their program, and we uh, – I did I, forfeiting wasn't an option, so we just uh, went in there and did what we could. Um, a lot of our rookies, you know, made a lot of mistakes, but that's what it was for. Um, you know, it was like an extension of our practice. Um, so – we definitely learned a lot from that game, uh, a lot of coaching, um, just trying to, even with our coaches, just trying to coach with 20 people and, you know, just try to see how that worked out. So we learned a lot. It was a learning experience. I'm glad we played the game. I, I wish we had to see them again, but unfortunately we don't. Usually they're on our schedule twice, but they share just once. But we, um, we, we, we enjoyed the game. We learned a lot. And on to the next. Now, um, Star, the creation of the team, very proud moment for you because it's 
been very successful in the last year, you know, 2017 as well was a pretty good year for you guys. And so D2, considered a D2 staple now, most people are talking about you guys as one of the staples in the East Coast. So that's going to make you proud. Absolutely. We worked really, really hard establishing a really um, good program. We start early. Um, we usually have tryouts in like August and September. We start practicing in September and October. We we start very early just to be able to prepare our girls. We um, I work really hard on marketing and advertising the program. Um, so most of our games are compromised of a lot of politicians, a lot of NFL players, um, entertainers. So we really Philly is a big sports city. And, you know, we have our national teams, our Sixers and Eagles and Flyers and Phillies, and what we're trying to do at the fans is, is get right in the mix with them. So when you think of the Eagles, you think of the Phantoms. So, and that's what we've been doing, and we get a lot of media coverage, um, and we get a lot of really good, talented, athletic girls. We're, we, we're in a metropolitan city with a lot of different uh, one programs, and we actually get a lot of a lot of those girls that come and try out and turn out to be really good football players. All right. I'm going to have everybody here on the panel kind of shoot you a question and then um, kind of get you going here with this. So you have uh, Troy Wilson, who's one of our NFL uh, college football gurus. You got the uh, championship quarterback, Louise Bean from Utah. You have Holly Custis, WFA All-Star from uh, Seattle Majestics. And then you also have Mm -hmm. Tracy Brick. Uh, WFA uh, Chicago Force All Star and uh, overseas uh, multi champion with the Gold, uh, Gold Coast okay. Race. So each one's going to throw you some. Uh, so let's start, uh, Troy. Let's start with the uh, quick fire questions for Star. Hey, Star, how's it going? It's going great. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, actually, mine is sort of like a two part question. One, you brought up the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm a Redskins fan. So to, to so to my dismay. The Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl this season. How mm-hmm. do you guys? How do you guys be able to, to tie in with some of the things that they do ar- around the city? Just you know, as far as like uh, just just being able to get your name out there and also to do things out in the community. So we're we're actually that's a good question. We're actually really big on community service. Um, the the arena was the, the field that we play. It's actually my alma mater, um, Simon Grant High School, and it's the neighborhood that I grew up in. So I wanted to keep everything local. It's actually the neighborhood a lot of my players grew up in, and I wanted to keep it very local. And I think the easiest way to expand um, your brand is to reach out to the community. When you're in the community, when you support the community, they support you, and we've seen that firsthand. So we do a lot of community work. We have a lot of community people come to our games. The senator is a big fan of ours who comes to every game. And we, we're we actually hosting a, a huge health fair for our next home game, May 5th, expecting roughly 2,500, 3,000 people there. So the more community work, the, the, the more promotion for you. And it just it just works. And and the Eagles actually, I, I have a few friends that play on the Eagles, and they're very supportive as well. Um, I train with a few of them. Uh, one of my coaches train trains a few of them. 
So they're very supportive, and they come out to the games as well. So for the most part, the football community in Philadelphia does know who the Phantoms are. Beautiful. I, I think that's awesome to be able to, to link up like that because I think that's what really the, the, the game needs is for everyone to kind of come together as a collective in, in the collective Absolutely. cities and areas and, 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 support, and support one another. So kudos to you on that. Thank you. Oscar. All right, let's go right. move on to Holly here. Uh, Holly, you're next, and then we'll have Luis after. Hey, hey Holly, Holly, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? Pretty good. Um, good. So I know we're uh, crunching time, and we have a lot of people uh, wanting to ask you questions because you're so popular. So I'll try to keep it simple. Um, okay. What do you think we need to do um, the sport to progress it? Okay, can you repeat that? I'm so sorry. That's okay. Uh, what do you think we need to do to progress the sport of women's football? Okay, so I think that um, my opinion um, in the direction of progressing the sport of women's football would definitely be to um, have more talent, talent, more athletes, more, um, and that ties into coaching. Um, that ties into uh, the culture of people's programs. Um, I think I know for the fandoms, I know for myself, anytime I ever try to, I don't have to really convince people to come to our games. Um, I let them know we're having a game. I let them know that once you come to one, you'll be hooked. So once they actually come and see uh, women who actually know what they're doing and it's not boring and they hit and they and they catch one-handed passes sometimes and they you know what I mean? They're they're running 80-yard uh, kick returns back and things like that. It's exciting for any football fan. So I think just getting the the like just always having football in your conversations, um, no matter where I'm at, the grocery store, I could be um, at my kids' school, I can be walking down the street. I'm always talking about football. Every single day of my life, I talk about football to people, and I think that 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 that's huge. I think we get a majority of our fans just from word of mouth. And I think um, the more people talk about it, the the more it'll progress. I definitely think that you're right. I mean, it's an, um, it's a win, win, win to get out into the, you know, the community and uh, get the word out. Um, I mean, the biggest Achilles heel with the sport is marketing. And a lot of teams don't have the budget to spend on marketing the way that everybody would like, so you have to get creative, and that's one of the ways that you can do it, and I think that you guys, of all the teams out there, do it really well, um, and I think you're really good at what you do with the marketing for your team, um, so keep doing what you're doing because it's working, and you. you know I'm proud of you. <laughs> oh, thanks, Holly, and I'm so proud of you, too. Holly's my friend. Thank you. <laughs> Back to you, Oscar. All right. Uh, Luis, you're next. Hey, first of all, I want to say you guys are awesome because you're not oh, afraid to play Division One or D1 teams. And I feel like there's a lot of wimps in women's football because you're paying mm-hmm. to play and then you don't want to go play good teams. I, it happens a lot, at least, with the Falcons. And okay. so I think, well, wait a second. Come on in. So I look at you guys and I think, wow, that's awesome. They're playing the best teams. 
they could easily say, hey, we're Division Two, we don't want to do that, and I just think that's awesome. So kudos to you on that. And then my question is, is I saw that you're tied up with the Manning Passing Camp. Is that right? I am. Yes, that's true. Okay, so, yes, you got to spill the beans on how you got connected with that one. Well, <laughs> it was it was pretty much a phone call. Someone thought about me enough to ask me if it was something that I would be interested in, and it definitely was something I couldn't turn down. Um, actually, at the past Women's World Football Games, um, I didn't play. I ended up uh, coaching. Um, so I've, I've been a, I've been a coach for a couple of years now. I'm also I also um, am. I coach my son's uh, national championship football team, the North Philadelphia Aztecs. We just went down I saw to Florida that. this past winter. Yeah, so I've been Very I've been cool. trying my hand in coaching. I absolutely love it, and um, I've been learning from some of the best coaches around. So when the opportunity came, it's just another notch to put on my belt. And I'm I'm I mean I can't play forever. Um, I'm getting a little older, and my body is just not what it used to be. So I, I know that, you know, I, my passion for football will never die, so the next step would be just to do coaching full-fledged, and I'm, I'm excited about the Manning Passing Camp. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge excitement for me. I'm, huge. I'm excited. Hey, now remind me where it's at, where it's being held. It will be in Louisiana. Um, okay. not, I'm not ex- exactly sure where <laughs> at one of the schools um, not far from New Orleans. And any time I get a chance to go to Louisiana, I'm there, no matter what it is. I just love that state. But, um, oh, yeah, that, that I mean, I, I do have it on my social media. I'm not particularly sure exactly where it's at, um, but yeah, you could look on my social media. Well, I guess you'll figure that really important part out at some point. So, <laughs> yeah, And then really nice. quick, <laughs> and then really quick, why did you choose tackle over the LFL? Oh my! Um, well, it's not that I chose them over it because I played tackle prior to playing the LFL, and then I played both at the same time. So when I was playing in the LFL, I was actually still playing with the Firebirds. It wasn't I chose one over the other. It's that okay. my they was they were asking me to play for a couple years, and I kept turning it down. Um, but I have a different opinion about it. Every time I see the blogs and people commenting on the WFA pages and the tackle football pages. I always want to add my two cents, but I never do because um, I, I have a more uh, open mind about both leagues um, because I played in both of them. So um, it wasn't that I chose one over the other. Um, I did both at the same time. My passion for all kinds of football remains the same. So um, it just was my time was up. After I broke my shoulder, it was like, yeah, no, can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good. Fair enough. <laughs> Oscar. All right. So, Tracy, your turn. Hi, Star. It's nice to meet you. Hi. How are you? Likewise. I'm good. Thank you. Hey, I'm, I, I'm so proud of what you're doing uh, in Philly. And, and as someone that's just recently retired, it's so nice to to sit back and watch some really healthy competition, especially between Div 1, Div 2 and stuff. So, yeah, I think what Thank you're doing you. there is, is awesome. I actually have Thank a question, you. and uh, I want to gear it really towards recruitment and also retaining players. 
So I know that when you start a new team, there's always going to be a core group of people that are coming from other leagues or coming from other teams. But what's your particular focus in theory around recruiting players and also retaining players, especially when there's so much competition with all the different leagues in America, but also now the LFL and, and maybe the changes in the uniform might encourage people to sort of, you know, jump onto onto that side of the ball. So, yeah, I'd love to know a few tips, especially because it's one of the, the toughest things for us in Australia is to really recruit and also retain, especially because it's not our, our main sport over there. Right. So what we do with the Phantoms is we, we hold a tryout. We hold two of them. Um, and, and we really, really market it and advertise it as a huge event. Um, so we usually get a lot of girls out. And, you know, it, the idea of playing football is really, really good from the outside looking in until you actually put the helmet and the pads on and it's time to hit. And then you get a lot of people <laughs> that's like, no, it's not for me. Uh, I thought it was, and it's not. And that's perfectly fine. Uh, <laughs> but as far as retaining players and trying to keep them on, I think that's, uh, program-based, I think that's based on the culture of your program, how you, um, you know, treat your players, how you, uh, um, the coaching staff, the other players, the vets are, I think the vets are huge in uh, keeping rookies around, uh, what you do outside of football, making sure that, you know, you get to know everybody individually. Um, I think that's the, that's the most important, and just letting players know that you care when they get hurt, you you know you're there for them and like we always say that we're we're a family and we usually spell it P H A M I L Y and we always, always tag that's our tagline and we we strive on trying to uh you know, treat each other as such. I mean now when you're dealing with women, you know, it, it doesn't always turn out perfectly but, you know, the the best thing to do is give it give it a good try. Um so uh, we've we've been successful in uh, keeping players. We have a lot of players that's been here since day one that's still here. Uh, we also have players that have come onto the team that we thought that were going to last, and they just it's just not for them. And I respect that as well. Um, so I mean, I think it, it's program based. I think it it just depends on the culture of your program. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. No problem. All right, Star. Uh... I was really appreciative of you making the time. I know you're a busy lady and everything, and uh, we really wanted to bring you guys on, especially yourself, to kind of showcase uh, what Philly football is doing out there. And very competitive games the first two weeks. Uh, you guys were toe-to-toe with the Renegades and then uh, with the Sharks um, and then obviously with the injuries, as you're saying right now, with it's not reflective against D.C. But we look forward to obviously keeping the schedule competitive in your uh, in your realm in tier two and maybe playoffs and it looks like that might be the case if you guys you know all you have to do is turn around three more wins and you're back in it. Yeah, we we have no doubt no doubt in our mind that um, you know uh, that that we'll make it to the playoffs or our season will turn around. Um, it's not that we're having a bad season. It's just a couple mishaps. Um, that that's uncontrollable. It's out of our control, so we just have to roll with the punches. Uh, we'll be fine. Um, we have a everyone on our team is very very passionate about football and wants to win, just like the person next to them. Um, you know, and and it starts from the top. And I'm 
nobody wants to win more than I do. So, and I and I agree that at every practice, every game, I play through injuries. Um, I, I have a high ankle sprain now that I suffered in New York, and I played with it in D.C. And it's just it's just about perseverance and passion and dedication. And we we have that on our team, and and we'll be perfectly fine. Our heads are not down. We understand you got sometimes you got to lose some to win some, and 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 we're okay with that. So. Look out for a really good game on May 5th, and then we see Baltimore, which um, we're looking forward to, which should be a really competitive game. And then New York again, which we're excited and cannot wait to meet Boston again for our last game. So we're excited for the rest of our season. Um, by any means that we think we're going to have a losing season, we the ship will definitely be turned around and we'll we'll be just fine. All right. So, Star, thank you for making the time today. We really appreciate it. We're rooting for you guys. Uh, very, this very exciting thank football. You. Yeah, very exciting football. Philly fan and football. So, uh, let the girls know we're big fans. You guys are just do your Absolutely. thing, and uh, we should be able to see you in the playoffs. So, turn it around, and uh, we should be stealing some Philly ball and um, Eagles Absolutely. ball, just like in the end. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. This was great. I enjoyed myself. Thanks, Star. And uh, we'll touch base again, and uh, uh, have a great time in Louisiana. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you. Bye. See you. Bye. Take care. All right, guys. That was uh, Star Wright, uh, owner, player, uh, marketer, uh, Team USA team member. Uh, just a lot of a lot of accolades for her. Um, she's played on both sides of the ball, as she stated before. She's done it. Um, so very, very impressive uh, lady here. And I want to bring her on this week because uh, even though they were 0-3, they have they have battled through everything. And then now you know exactly what happened is, you know, obviously the injury bug. And that happens early sometimes to certain teams. And obviously sometimes it happens really late. So it just depends on, you know, how things go. But uh, she's very impressive and she's done a tremendous job in Philly. And we want to just bring her on and kind of give her props on that. Um, so you guys – uh, let's Tracy, let's go with you. Uh, so we can start off the international. We got gridiron Victoria. Uh, the playoffs have been set. Um, I believe the mm-hmm. Croton Rangers are eight and one Western Crusaders, eight and one. You got the, uh, Northern Raiders five and four. The Crusaders are on a seven game winning streak. So they have just been tearing it up for seven weeks. And now I believe they're going to be in the semifinals to uh, figure out who's going to finish, who's going to be number two uh, because Croydon has clinched already. And that's right, yeah. So um, Croydon definitely having a, a repeat season from, from last year, that's for sure. And from what I've heard in that camp, you know, all of the, the players are healthy and, and really excited about uh, another Vic Bowl appearance on, on May 5th. Um, so I guess this, this game against the Raiders and the Crusaders, it, I think it comes down to... My take on it is that I think it's going to come down to coaching, to be honest. And I think offensive play calling will, will really um, play an integral, integral part in the, in the game and, and ultimately the outcome. Uh, I know that the, the Crusaders on a, are on a seven-week seven winning streak, which is awesome. Uh, and they have very physical, very physical players. So I know that the Raiders are going to have to pretty much, you know, play smart and and physical to, to match that level. And I think they're going to rely heavily on good play calling from, uh, from Matt Jenkins. And, and I guess uh, it's probably the Raiders' one 
one to lose, if you could put it that way. Yeah, and they've played well so far, um, but then they kind of went into this little slide. So they're on a two-game losing slide coming into this matchup against the Crusaders. And given Western's uh, hype right now, they they got to be on a huge high and very confident that they should be able because it, this is it, do or die. They they win in and they get in, and this is this is for the exactly. for the championship. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think it's going to be a good game to watch. I believe it's being streamed, uh, live streamed as well via Facebook. So uh, it's definitely one that uh, you wouldn't want to miss. And I'm sure the Rangers are excited, no matter who who they see on May 5th. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely going to be tuning in, that's for sure. So April 29th, it is the Green Iron Victoria semifinals. Western Crusaders, seven-game winning streak, taking on the Northern uh, the uh, Northern Raiders. And so Raiders have been in the finals before, and they've been a very competitive team, it's kind of a staple team in this league. So it's going to be a pretty awesome class, like Tracy says here. Um, Tracy, let's go to LNFA Feminina. So, so we can get that taken care of here. LNFA Feminina, and they're in the playoffs as well. And this is a crucial week. This was a crucial week for LNFA Feminina because uh, some of the teams are positioning for, for the playoff spot, primarily the Pioneers. Um, but Barbera rookies are already clinched. So there's a lot at stake here this coming week. Sorry, was that a question for me? I missed that, Oscar, altogether. I'm sorry. No, no problem. I was saying uh, let's, let's talk LNFA, LNFA Feminina because uh, this past weekend we're looking at uh, Barbera rookies already clinched in the, uh, you know, for the final. They're already in the final. Uh, Teresa was coming into this week, week 10, thinking they had to win. So Teresa had to beat the champs in order for them to even stay alive. The scenario now is really – uh, huge for the Reds because they were there last year and now they're sort of going to slide off. The Pioneers care of Badalona. Badalona's 0-8, hasn't won in two years, and they took care of Badalona 30-6. to So uh, it's going to be a crucial weekend this coming weekend, next weekend, because it is the Pioneers must win in order for them to get in. And then Teresa looks uh, at, I mean, at this point, they have to win. Are you still there, Tracy? Did we lose her? I, I'm, I think she might have another... cut out. <laughs> I think we might have cut out. Let me see. Uh, maybe she'll come back at this point. Um, but I think we might have. I think she was on a cell phone, so she might have dropped off as well. Um, let me go ahead and go into that recap. Let's do the recap. Since you guys are listening to what I was saying. Um, so, uh, Holly, let's go with that. Uh, Teresa looks like right now, like, you know, they had it in, but they just couldn't punch it in. Sorry, uh, you cut out again. What was that? No, I said, uh, let's look at Teresa here. Uh, Teresa had it in. They had to beat the champs in order for them to kind of get into this picture, and they did not. It was 43 to 12. So at uh, the Barbera rookies, pioneers get the wins this week in the regular uh, phase of the week 10. So the rookies are still unbeaten after winning, uh, you know, soundly 43 to 12 while the pioneers 
uh, beat the Battle on the Drax 30 to 6, which uh, that closes out the Drax season. Uh, so, rookies 7 and 0, they lead the uh, obviously first place ahead of Barcelona, uh, which is 4 and 2, and the Pioneers 3 and 3, which now puts the Reds at 3 and 4, which is basically a huge struggle because it's going to be. Uh, I believe next weekend it'll be the battle of pioneers and buffaloes, which is which one will be the key to do that. Um, so if the buffaloes buffaloes win that match, mathematically ensure themselves a, into the final. So uh, that's the scenario that's happening there. So if the pioneers win everything uh, or the win out, then uh, it would be the last week of the season where the rookies, buffaloes, and reds and pioneers would have to, uh, you know, meet up to decide who's going to meet up with the rookies. So huge, huge implications here in LFA Feminino. Yes, um, in, you know, having to win out to get there is challenging, but at the same time, sometimes uh, the great teams, that's when they're at their best, when their backs up are, are against the wall. And uh, so we'll see if they're able to, to fight their way through to uh, the other side. But it's great um, to have everything in question and have that competition for the elite to develop it. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, the, the scenario can't be any more complicated, uh, complicated than you do, like, in the NFL when you got, you know, so many teams to make the conference, you got to make the playoffs, and then you get the wild card mentality. So we don't have a wild card mentality here, but technically you do have a situation where uh, a, Teresa, for example, has to literally win out uh, in order for them to even, you know, consider themselves back into the finals, while the pioneers are pretty, basically uh, have helped themselves with beating Badalona, which Badalona wasn't such a, a great, you know, uh, contest. But uh, you know they do they win what they had to do. Uh, Sabrina Marquez had three touchdowns. Naria Villar, two, uh, left. Uh, Alba with the rookies versus Teresa. So at this point, the rookies had led 21 to 6 uh, with the first two touchdowns by Marquez and Villar. And Martinez uh, scored for, obviously, um, Teresa. But uh, other than that, they, they went out, uh, the rookies went out, and it literally crushes the Teresa's hopes at this point and makes it more difficult. Yeah, hey, Oscar. Oh, sorry, keep going. Oh, I was just going to say, you're not out of it. it. As long as you're mathematically not out of it, you're not out of it. And all you can do uh, in a situation where things are out of your control like that, it's the same thing with any other league, like the NFL or college. You have to only, you have to focus on what you have in front of you, and the pieces are going to fall as they may. You can't uh, scoreboard watch. Uh, too much, or you're going to lose focus on what you're doing, and you're not going to get there anyway. So, it's not over yet. Yeah, and and I think that's one. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's it's really crucial. If if the Buffaloes win this uh, this match coming up uh, against uh, the Pioneers, then they would be catapulted into the number two slot, which basically puts them into the finals. If the Pioneers right. decide to win. Uh, then it would be based on uh, stats and, and numerical uh, wins. Then it would be decided in the last week of the season, which would be rookies, Buffaloes, and Reds, Pioneers. So it would be the Reds and Pioneers in that matchup 
more of a crucial matchup because then it's going to decide who actually heads over because if the rookies beat Buffaloes, then they're out. And so big obstacle for the Buffaloes, they have to beat the rookies in order for them to get into the finals. If they don't, right. then uh, whoever, whoever wins of the in the finals. So crucial uh, matchups in uh, Spain, you know, who's going to get into the finals against uh, uh, the Barbera rookies who obviously have owned this league. Uh, you know, six, six championships in seven years. So, and maybe maybe that might be irony that their name is the rookies. <laughs> oh, thanks, Dean. <laughs> I know, I laughed. I thought it was good. <laughs> hey, Oscar, well, I'm trying yet? to see. Oscar, I'm trying to see what's the date of the finals. I can't find it. Do you do you have it in front of you? Is Oscar still there? Uh oh, he's coming out again. I, I, oh, I, don't think, I, I don't think Oscar liked that joke either. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the uh, I think the final game is um, of the regular season is like uh, mid May. I want to say like May. Okay. Yeah. So I'm assuming they'd have a week break or something. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's, I, I just think it's awesome when you are forced to have to win out. I mean, that just heightens your sense of everything. And that's just ultimate great competition. So, like Holly was Absolutely. saying. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like when you're, you know, when you're pressed against, you know, against all odds, sometimes that brings the best out of people. So I, I agree with you. I mean, anytime you have to, it, you you put yourself in a scenario where it's you know win and you're in. I think that to me that brings out the best in your team, and that's when you get a chance to see what your team is about when you're facing adversity like that. So I, I agree. I love it when I see situations like that, and I love to see stories where you hear teams and they say, "Oh, you know, they got to win their last." Uh, three or four or five games, and then they'll make the playoffs, and then they actually do it. It's a it's a great story. It always is. I'm back, guys. I made a blunder. I just uh, accidentally accidentally uh, instead of muting my phone, I actually canceled myself out. Wow. <laughs> I thought you I thought you ran away because I had a bad joke. No, I know. No. Good try, but no. Oscar, I was like a fearless leader. Is no, um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's okay. So no, I mean, uh, LNFA Feminina, it's big, big week. Uh, two weeks, the next two weeks are going to be huge uh, for you know for playoffs and stuff like that. So that's great. Um, Holly, let, let's go into your rant. I was looking forward to your rant. Okay. Let's do the rant here. What's your rant? Oh, right. Okay, so I made myself a <laughs> note. <laughs> so I sometimes when I've I rant, I can be long-winded. Week. <laughs> I can be long-winded sometimes, so I have to, like, focus myself. Um, basically, I feel like this year we have taken steps backward as a sport. It just feels weird to me. There's so many teams that are folding and forfeiting in the middle of the season, uh, you know, my team is down to four regular season games. Even my cat is upset. I don't know if you heard her, but she meowed. Um, <laughs> <and> I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and we're down to four regular season games. It's just I've never played less than like six, and that was just a weird year. I've always played, you know, typically eight games in the regular season before you get to the playoffs. And there's just weird stuff happening this year. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a full moon. But I feel like we're taking steps backward. It's less organized. Um, There are people and teams that are doing well, but our sport, I feel like, is not. Um, And my opinion, um, I am a believer in that we should either have one league or have a league that takes over, we need one team for major market. We can't afford to have any more of this, I don't like what you're doing because I'm going to start another team down the street stuff because it dilutes the talent. And what's going to happen is when we get to the point where we want to have sponsors look at us, it's not going to be the best product that it could be. Um, And so that's my number one. Uh, number two, obviously, with teams falling all over the place, I really think we need to have each team that wants to be a part of any league be actually vetted. And and by vetted, I mean you treat it like a business. You have if you want to start a team, you come to the uh, you come to a league and you say, okay, this is how it's going to be set up. This is my business plan. Here's how many people we're going to have on our roster. I feel that there needs to be a, a way better job of vetting the teams because there's too many of these teams that are like, oh, I'm in the middle of nowhere and I want to start my team, and they think that it's easy and they have no idea how much work goes behind the team. And it makes it's common sense if you think about it. The NFL has entire has an entire industry of people dedicated to do the background uh, uh, work to make it to make the actual games happen. And so if you are going to start a team, I think there needs to be a vetting process that we stop having it be we're we're four or five weeks into the season. And there are teams that haven't played. Like I don't think uh, uh, the team in L.A., uh, the Warriors, I don't think they've played yet because their team is forfeiting. No, and and I feel bad for them. And I feel bad for – like a Dallas and our league that haven't played yet. I mean, usually by this time, we're halfway through the season. We, we kind of know what the league is going to uh, – all the leagues are going to look like. It's in full swing as far as competition. Um, but right now I feel like we haven't even got off the ground, and that's really, really frustrating. And then on top of it, I'm going to knock on the IWSL for a second. I'm going to be nice about it, but I'm also going to knock them <laughs> because <laughs> – It's frankly embarrassing when you go to the website and you can't, like, you like it, it was like pulling teeth to get any kind of scores up, and the standings are really delayed in being updated. There's no stats, even though, I, uh, from my understanding, people are turning them in. And, and it just, it's horrible. And then the social media, like, when you go to their social media, it's basically them just filtering information that the teams do. There's no, like, there's not a lot of communication or content from the league itself. It's just the league saying, oh, hey, Utah, you sent that, so I'm just going to, you know, forward it along, basically. And if you are any type of would-be fan, the first thing you're going to do is go to the website. The first thing you're going to do, like Troy was saying, is go to social media. And if you don't have your ducks aligned, nobody's going to take you seriously, like nobody. So how are you supposed to expect these business people that come out of nowhere to spend millions of dollars on it 
seriously, we can't even update the scores. It's just simple. You can find an intern to do it. You can find, uh, you can go to the staffing agency and get a temp. You can use some of the money the teams are giving you to invest in like a social media marketing company, a third-party company that can come in and do it if you don't know how to do it because that's where everybody is now, social media. You have to think in advance. You can't just get by with doing what you've been doing because our sport will die. We don't have the benefit that men do where men just wake up and they get attention. As female athletes, we have to work so much harder. And it's really, frankly, embarrassing when I'm like, hey, I play in this league, and I and I give them a link, and they have no idea what's happening. So that's Matt. And then also, so a, oh yeah, sorry. okay, I'm almost done. I, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the next part is, I feel like the IWFL came into the season saying we have all these leaders that want to, you know, take us to the next level, which is great. But I also haven't seen anything happen, so I really feel like they're not allowing those people to do what they do. Because the people that they have that said, okay, we're going to change it, I feel like all those people are very capable and smart people, and it surprises me that nothing seems to be changing on the outside. So it makes me feel like something's not working on the inside to convey that outside change, and it's really irritating. Um, That's my mini rant of the day. (laughs) Way to go. Uh, off to you, Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think Seattle oh, no, did, did a great did job. Did he go away again? <laughs> did you lose him? Conveniently. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say for Holly, I thought Seattle did a great job advertising their team this year. They had their new uniforms. They had stuff on social media. I mean, social media is like the easiest thing to do. And and they advertised their schedule. Even every time their schedule changed, they kept advertising <laughs> it. They had some great <laughs> every time. It changed like five and, times. I know. And so then you feel like you don't want to tell your friends or family because, like she said, you feel embarrassed because you think, well, this is just a joke, and you can't even trust it. And and oh, you had a game. Well, now you don't have a game. And so it's really embarrassing, and it reflects poorly on the sport. It reflects. It's really embarrassing because you work really hard as an athlete some a lot of teams out there the athletes don't work very hard they decide if they're going to show up to practice if they have time well holly and her teammates aren't like that and so i mean from what what i can see maybe you have one or two but they're not like that and they had great photo shoots and they did all these things trying to come into this league and set a good standard and be competitive and all of that. And then it's like it's just shoved in their face, like, eh, it doesn't matter, and now they're down to four games. And you can't even make people play them. And so I just look at it and I think, yeah, so that's a team that got dissed on, that just that no one seemed to care. And so I'm surprised you held it in so well, Holly. Well, I, I tried, but I feel the same way about Utah, honestly. Like, I feel like... Utah has been a team that has done the right things on the back end. Um, And you have some smart people in that organization, and they work really, really hard. And the hard part about it is you work really hard on your team, and that takes so much effort that it's really difficult to have the effort to help on the next level with the league. So really I feel like the league, they need to take responsibility and say, hey, 
we know you guys are working hard as individual teams, so this is what we're going to do as a league. I feel like all the leagues out there could do a better job of it, but really the IWFL is, I feel like, the worst at it, considering that they've been around the longest. You would, yeah. I feel like if you've been around the longest, you should see you, – you, you treat it like a business. You grow. You, you do things differently to continue to grow, because if you don't, you're going to have a competitor that comes in and, and knocks you out. You, there's no – you can't afford just to be stagnant in, in, in business world, so it's a save in this. And I feel like Utah has gotten the short end of the stick, too, because they worked really hard to put on the championship game last year, and they did a wonderful job from everything that I've seen about it. And they're always really organized and on their game. And it's not fair to them either. And it's not fair to other teams that are really trying to do their hardest to not only play on the field, but to keep it going off the field. And I feel like I'm hoping that maybe this season as a sport, us taking sets backwards, maybe we learn from it and progress forward, you know, maybe like uh, a slingshot type of thing. But there definitely needs to be some changes because we can't continue to exist as a sport in in any league if we keep having – Teams just fold in the middle of the season like that. It disrupts so much. And, and if one team folds, it doesn't just affect the next team they're playing. It affects everybody else. Because then you have to try to fill in the holes with everybody else's schedule. And it's just we need to find ways to solve this because it's not going to work going forward. I am, Holly, I definitely agree with you around the, the vetting side of things. And I think it it kind of has a multi-pronged uh, effect because when you dilute the talent, like you said, it, it also then affects um, sponsorships and fans. So, like, if, if you're splitting player bases, you're also splitting fan bases, right, which means that right. you have less people at games to support, which is a hard sell to sponsors, and that obviously ultimately affects the bottom line or the, the pockets of the team owner, and it's, it's not sustainable year after year after year, especially as more teams start to enter the league or, you know, fold. And, and the other part of it too is, is, and I keep talking about retention and recruitment, it's like after, after you pay all your fees and you've invested all this time and money into the sport and put your body in the line and everything else on hold from the moment you start preseason to not play for four or five weeks in the beginning, it's a really hard sell to get those rookies and, and sometimes even those veterans that have been doing it year after year to come back not necessarily as a player, but, you know, work with the league or work with the teams on other on other levels. And I think something needs to change, and I think that needs to come from the league level. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think too, for too long our sport has operated, in, and I'm talking about all the leagues, of, okay, you want to start a team, send us a check, there you go. And, <laughs> and I think – I think it's basically when you operate like that, you're operating like a rec league. You're operating like a rec league basketball, like a local basketball league mm-hmm. or indoor soccer leagues where you, you pay your money, you play, and that's basically it. But if we're, if we're trying to get the sport to go where we want it to go, we have to treat it, we have to treat it more seriously. Like, it's basically like you dress for the job that you want. You have to act professional before you actually become professional. And I feel like just taking, you know, money from people without vetting is you wouldn't do that in the business world. You wouldn't just, like, say, okay, I'm going to, like, 
you know, you're going to do this service for me and then I'm just going to disappear and I'm sorry. Like, no, you're going to find out where your money's going and it's really, really tough. And then, you know, for us, even this this uh, uh, this year, it's really difficult because you try to be a, a good player and you try to plan your travel, like, ahead of time before the season starts. And then when all those changes happen, then you're you're just out. You're you're out money, you're out time, you're out effort, you know. And and it's not cheap to play. And um, for myself, we, uh, my wife and I, already paid for a trip that we're not going to end up taking because the team's no longer there. So I mean, it's one thing, and that leads into the other. And I just think we need to take a step back as a sport and, and, and try to actually find solutions to these problems. Well, until the mindset changes from rec to pro, which I've been preaching for, what, five years, and the leaderships in both leagues have to own it, it's it's not going to change because it's so much easier, like you said, for them for somebody to show up and go, Here, here's five grand, and I want to start a team. Yes five grand, we're good, go ahead and start your team. And there's no business plan. It's like you're loaded. You know, like in Texas, you got so many teams in Texas. You got you got all the teams in the IWFL in Texas. You got all the teams in the WFA in Texas. And you got, what, a bunch of leagues in Texas, uh, the XFFL in Texas. There's probably like 90 to 120 teams just in Texas yeah. playing women's football. So technically, have- yeah, it's, it's not good. But then you have a schedule as well. Like last year, I remember seeing uh, the Elite in Houston, I think it was. I think they played them like some crazy amount of time and like repeat games in their schedule. And one team's being beaten like 70 to 80 points every game. That's so disheartening. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, it doesn't surprise me if teams want to walk away from that or or change leagues. And, yeah, I think you're right until it's – until something is definitely sorted out on that level and there's a professional mindset, then – we're going to continue to take step backwards, and that's not a good thing. Let me just let me just be very clear here, and I'll be just very clear. Um, the WFA leadership uh, has not made an effort to come on board because they don't want to answer the tough questions. So, if they, whoever's listening to me right now, whether it be the ownership or everything, they could not find a Tuesday in almost three years of me going back and forth to come onto the show to answer these questions. They don't want to do it. It's not in their best interest to come onto the show for us to throw real darts and have to sway them. The IWFL has literally, I have reached out, what, last year, the year before, and everything else. They will not come into this, onto the show. And I've I invited everybody. And I've always invited everybody to come onto the show. I've even invited Mitch Mortaza to come into the show, which I doubt will ever happen. So technically, if you look at it, okay, none of the leadership in any of the three leagues besides crediting the WFA for actually making some sort of improvements over every season with the tier system, the website and everything else. So you have to give them credit there. But the reality is none of those three leagues are serious as Holly is pointing out here to go forward into a, elevating the sport into a pro model where it's respected, no different than the NW, you know, NWHL or the, the national soccer leagues or the lacrosse leagues. Okay. When you got uh, ultimate Frisbee, on Twitter, getting coverage and getting highlighted, that's a problem. That's a big problem. So 
Yeah, until, you know, the leaderships in all these major leagues, the two major leagues that we're talking about, until they get serious about, like Holly was saying, how to uh, literally say, hey, where's your business plan? This doesn't make sense. There's no way you can sustain yourself financially. I mean, it's almost like if I go in to get a loan, guess what happens? I get dissected to figure out whether I am able to pay the loan back or not. And I think that's literally what needs to happen in in these leagues is – the, the viability of each team and can they sustain themselves in that market? If not, then why, why take money from somebody that's going to fail anyways? And I think that's where we're at. And it literally boils down to that. So Austin, yeah, I got a question I, I, for you. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, so Oscar, the problem that I see is that we all want to ask the leadership to step up and be better, but unless they're forced to, then they may not change. So for example, for the WFA, they keep teams, even though those teams are horrible, don't, can't have a lot of players, and they, have, they don't win games. So they keep those teams still. And that's where I like the vetting process, saying, hey, if you can't prove with your game footage that you have 20 to 25 suited up and, you know, that kind of thing each game, then you can't come back the next year. And, in, and so if, you don't, if you're not allowed to be in the WFA, like, for example, the Falcons are not allowed to be in the WFA because of the Blitz, and the Blitz haven't, have won like five games in seven years. So, so in our case, what do you do? You're left with li- no options. And so then you have to do what you do. Not you, but, you know, in general, the U's. And I can see that other Louise, teams have that same problem, so I don't know the answer to that. Luis, that, that is a dumb business move I know. on the WFA leadership. <laughs> Okay, so I will I just call it out right now. That is a dumb business move for the WFA. Dumb. It's, it's, just, it's just plain simple. So, I mean, my thing is just this, okay? The leadership roles in each of these leagues or the people that run these leagues, okay, they don't seem to think accountability is at the highest level. And to Holly's credit, the teams, the individual teams, are being held themselves to a higher accountability than the whole league. And that's the brand. Yeah. When the fan wants to come watch the NF, they don't give a hoot about what the Philadelphia Eagles do. They give a hoot what the NFL Eagles do. So they're part of the NFL. And the Eagles are incompetents of the NFL. So the WFA needs to listen and hear that. The IWFL needs to understand that. The IWFL schedule is about as horrible as it can be this year. And you can sit there and say my six-year-old could have done a better schedule and technically yes it could have happened that way but it didn't and this is i mean austin yellow jackets have not played what one game and it was a forfeit game and they're not playing until what next week that's and they were in the finals so this is this is pathetic scheduling and so you know what I'm, I'm just going to say this right now. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Until the mindset goes to professional level, this is just not working. And it hasn't worked for 30 years. And it hasn't worked for 35 years. So somebody needs to figure out that it's not working. And so, you know, applaud the WFA for making all the moves that they've made. They've made positive efforts. And they're probably the better league. With 60 teams, we have to give them their due. Okay, but at the same time, at, to, to Holly's point, there is more work to be done. Yes, there's more work to be done. I really think that 
in my mind, like if I had like a magic wand and like millions of dollars, and I've said this before, we need to get to the point where we have one major team for major market, and what you can do is you can create a feeder system like in baseball. You can have like a minor league system. So, you know, you could have one team in Seattle, and if people want to play in the minor leagues, they can play with the teams around the Seattle market. But the, you want to create a professional league with the major markets. You can't have five Seattle teams. You should have one Seattle team, and then if you want, you can have like a Tacoma or Everett becomes part of the theater system within that market. And that way you can develop talent. Um, but we can't we can't do this anymore where we have five teams in the major market. It's just not sustainable, and it makes no business sense at all. And I would, frankly, I know a lot of times these leagues feel pressured to, to try to create less travel for teams, but honestly, as a competitive athlete, I don't mind traveling if I'm playing the better teams and it's all competitive and I know I have them solid on my schedule. That's why the vetting process, I think, is a smart idea because even if we only had like four or five teams, I would know that they're not going anywhere. And I would know that I'm okay traveling to them because they're good teams and they know what they're doing. And then the product therefore would be better. And so that's just kind of my mentality as a competitive athlete is I don't mind traveling if it means stability and it means better competition. No, I agree. And I think we all agree. I think we all agree in, in the in the fact that, uh, you know, there should be a more focus, uh, a central focus like that, to where they, everybody understands it's basically responsible. In other words, you have to have a business plan that's going to succeed, not a business plan that hopefully it succeeds. And that's where the business plan is right now with every every team across the country is hopefully we succeed. no. <laughs> <laughs> that is not good. You know what I mean? That's really what it boils down to. It's not good. It's not good for the player because they're putting in the hard-earned time and money and taking away from the family. And it's not good for the ownership. You're you're being handed something that's not going to be sustainable and viable, right? And so, I mean, there's only a few star rights and there's only a few DC divas and only a few Pittsburgh passion squads. Or the the perfect example is the Chicago Force. 17 something years the Chicago Wars existed and finally somebody said I can't do this anymore that's really what happened I can't do this anymore and that's because financially at some point you say is this really worth it or it's not and Ms. Linda Bach at some point said this is no longer worth it for me and so as, as historic as successful and as impactful that that franchise and the branding was in Chicago, guess what? It went by the wayside. Shame. And so, yeah. you know, somebody's got to realize that, that we're, we're going in a circle. It's, it's just like a little, little critter in a little cage. And that's what we're doing. We're going in a circle. We're not succeeding. And it's a because sh- we have so many talented players out there, so many talented women that, uh, that play this game with, Heart and passion, the skill level that because of the streaming, we get to notice some of them because of what's happening now. We get, so it's a matter of elevating the brand. The brand has to be elevated to be respectable. And I think that's what we're talking about. I mean, the WFA is almost there. It needs some work. 
And I think I know behind behind the scenes and conversations make that better. They're trying to be more relevant on social media, more branding, and they're making strides. And that's why I'm I'm also love it because the ownership should be accessible because that's also gets you as much criticism as people will criticize you gets you respectability because then they can say, you know, we challenged uh, the, the ownership and this is their answer. We hold them accountable to that answer and maybe they make changes and all of a sudden we have to applaud them for obviously taking into consideration certain things and make are able to come on and take criticism or whatever then that shows to me they're not serious business owners. They're not serious. And so I don't know what to say anymore. It's just, it's just the fact that it's a shame for the players and the sport as a whole. And, I mean, having so many leagues just does it, – it devalues basically the sport. When you can have, you know what, uh, ultimate Frisbee, like I said, be more relevant than women's tackle football, that's got to be a problem. Somebody's got to see that. And so, you know, I don't know. I, I, the only thing I'm saying is I agree with you, Holly. I really do. I mean, I played Ultimate Frisbee in college, but, I mean, women's football should, should be getting more coverage than that, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I nope. have to head out. But thank you for listening to my rant. <laughs> Thank you. And you're always welcome to a rant because those rants are needed. I, I the only reason we're starting these these rants is because they're needed, and it hopefully it opens eyes and starts a conversation about making things better. And I think that's really what we want to do. It's not just because we're just wanting to rant out for something. It's a critical piece, you know. So yeah. um, it's, let's it's go with Tracy now. Yeah, we care. So go ahead, Tracy. Uh, with uh, my rant. <laughs> Go with your rant. We're, we're ranting right now. <laughs> I love it. Um, I actually wanted to talk about, um, I guess, football back home, and we have a whole different set of challenges to what it is over here. I mean, we have seven or ten teams at the most in the entire country, so our, our challenges are really different. But I wanted to rant about a few things, but the main one is for me, um, when, when finding out some information about the women's, you know, the Australian Gridiron League, the annual state tournament that's coming up in, in May and June, it keeps coming up that, that our sport at home is not ready for 11-a-side football. And they keep going back and forth between the pros and the cons, and it, it's typically only uh, coaches and, and men that are involved in the sport but not playing the sport anymore um, that don't feel that women can either handle 11-a-side football from, uh, from a, a physical and also a, a mental um, approach to the game. But my feeling is after our, how non-competitive we were in the World Championships that if we do not make changes and play 11-a-side football, uh, women in Australia will never be competitive. I feel that the sport's going to continue to go backwards. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever started playing seven aside and nine aside. It's pretty boring. It's geared towards a certain key few players, and that's about it. So if we don't make changes over there, I don't think that uh, we can essentially develop the sport any further. And I, I don't know how to make that happen. I don't know how to change the mindset over there. And there are definitely players that are screaming out for it and they want it, especially the players that came across and played for Chicago or for Seattle or for other teams or or in Canada, but uh, 
it's a real struggle for us and it's completely opposite to what Holly's talking about I know but uh, yeah I just I don't know how to, to influence and change there well you know in the international uh, game just like in Britain uh, in Great Britain just like uh, in Australia uh, there it's in its infancy still so they get to 11 you're I think uh, Tracy you're kind of relating to what uh, Mexico what FX Mexico had to do it's a for mm-hmm. them to get an 11-11 aside until they until they went to Vancouver, then the uh, the uh, Mexican Federation realized, okay, yeah, this is this this is, needs to be supported. So I think that's maybe where Australia is at. Yeah, I just feel like uh, you know, it's, as much as the women are screaming for it, uh, you know, we we it just doesn't seem to be moving in that direction and. You know, I think we all want to play that level of, of game. The intricacies around it are so different to nine-a-side football. And like you said, like Mexico, we, we go to the world championships. And, and I, I swear to you, there's probably three of us on that team that have, have played 11-a-side football out of a, a 50, a 50-player 50 squad. And, and when you don't do that, you, you really struggle to, to compete against teams that have been doing it for, you know, 15, 20 years. So, um I think there needs to be a real change around um, the the governing bodies in Australia to uh, to help help that shift happen. And I think they're a little resistant to it. So maybe it takes a few more international uh, games or, or competitions for them to see that we need to make some change. I just worry I that's that probably that what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's, I mean, that's a good valid point. Like you said, it has to be a growth. Um, just like um, the Baffa women have now embraced 11 on 11. So it's, it's great. Um, so Tracy, thanks for coming on. We'll see you here next week. I know uh, you and Holly had to uh, leave here for some other reasons, but uh, I really appreciate it. And I hope uh, you had a great time so far. And we'll look forward to week to week on your insights as well. So, um, but uh, you know what, um, Luis, Troy, if you guys got any rants going on, I got another rant coming on. It's a WFA game. I was watching the Vixen and the Titans. Okay. Uh, Troy, I'm going to throw this out to you because how do you play a two quarterback system when, you know, you're giving what each quarterback half, half the reps. I mean, I understand if you're all in all cylinders or whatever, but this game at the end and all of a sudden you switch out your quarterback and you know, you lose the game based on a turnover that scores the points for you to lose the game. So, I mean, justifying a two-quarterback system is my point. It's like you're playing uh, the Vixen, who has a stable quarterback for the last three years, one quarterback. And so for them, on the defensive side of the ball, I'm talking about the Vixen, they probably were looking at that like, okay, they're going to switch it over. All they had to do was blitz, which, which they did. You know, typically when you see teams employ a two-quarterback system, it, it says, well, one of two things. Um, either they really, really like one of them, but they don't trust but they don't trust them. And then the other one is if you have a two-quarterback system, you don't have any quarterback at all. And and so I wonder which one is which. And, you know, if, so if, you have, if you're saying that, you know, during the game, they were effective when one quarterback was in, the veteran quarterback, and then 
when they put the, the younger and experienced quarterback in, the, the, you know, the team started to stall. Is that what happened? It's really what happened. And I'm talking about the fourth quarter. You had the game uh, almost won. You had a victory. You're yeah. going to go up 3-0, three to three zero, okay? You've been playing subpar competition in lower than your tier. Kansas City's tier one. This is my point I'm making. They are tier uh-huh. one, okay? When you lose to a tier two or a tier three team, that's for your program. You're not that great. <laughs> so yeah. when you can yeah. go up against Minnesota, who's D2, technically Minnesota was D1 the year before. So equal level competition. My point is that why would you switch quarterbacks in a, in a situation where you are about to win the game? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I think, you know, even if you have teams that do employ the two-quarterback system, I think what they should do in the end is ride with the hot hand and not change out if, you know, if whatever, you know, if one quarterback was working and they were working efficiently, I don't think you change out that quarterback. And, yeah, and it sounds like it bit, you know, bit them on the behind, you know, regardless. But, I mean, the funny thing about it is if they would have won the game, nobody would have said anything about it. But, you know, when you lose, that microscope gets, you know, it gets a little tighter and that spotlight gets a little brighter. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to have some explaining to do, losing a game like that, especially making that change. And all all coaches do not want to be put in that situation. But he's going to have to answer for it, obviously. Now, Luis, I know you guys employ a two-quarterback system, three quarterbacks, you know, because you guys use the platoon system. But uh, what I'm trying to get here is if you don't have – uh, a situ- you get a situation sometimes when you got two quarterbacks. I've, I've seen it in high school. You get the two quarterbacks at to Taurus Point. You like one quarterback. You like the other quarterback. You can't make a decision on one to stick to the other. So you, you decide to, get, you know, uh, certain downs, certain situations, you put them in. I understand that part. But when you're in a crucial game, almost tied, and you're about to win the game, and you're going to be going 3-0 and in the season, you decide to do a switchover. Uh, if you watch the streaming on uh, Town Square, the, even the announcer said, what is going on here? This doesn't happen. This is high school-type uh, football. And technically, when you, when you hear those comments, as we're talking about you know, the leagues being pro and stuff like that, guess what those announcers just considered the, the, the game? Somewhat below high school, which is not cool. Yeah, you know, the way the Falcons do it, it's, it's kind of a science. So, and, and so when we lost the game to Pittsburgh um, – four years ago in the championship, um, I was the only quarterback that played in that game. So that was a tight game. You're going to play who who is the quarterback that's the starter and leader of your team. So since then, most of our games really aren't that tight after the first quarter or two. So, yeah, it's a, it's a different science. It's a different thing. So I've watched most of that game, but I haven't made it to the end, the one that you're talking about. And, yeah, you can see they switch back and forth a lot. And, and when Brooke's not quarterback, she's running, and she's a good athlete and just those kind of things. So I don't know or what they're – and I haven't seen them play their other first two games, so I don't know what they've been doing already. Um, but, you know, it's a delicate thing, and it's not something to be trifled with or messed with. Obviously, I'm not their coaches, and I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, I saw the one quarterback threw a pick six early on. Um, you know, those hurt. And Kansas City didn't have that many players. I mean, they barely had 20 players. Minnesota has, you know, 40-something. And so 
I, I can't say what they were thinking or why. Um, the one key about how the Falcons do it is that because you're on a platoon, each quarterback is the leader of that platoon. And with some, with some uh, uh, substitutions that happen while that platoon is in. So you don't hurt the leadership of that unit. And the leader of the, quarter, the leadership of each quarterback with their girls is so crucial. So at the end of the game for Kansas City, you know, they – I don't know who they feel like is their leader or who – because, you know, players, they have somebody. I mean, Troy knows this. I mean, you guys know this. You guys played football. You have someone that you put your faith in, and and you somehow in your guts you feel like is going to pull out that win for you. I don't know their situation or how those players feel, but uh, I'm sure some of them have opinions this week about it. So, Yeah, and the only thing I'm um, bringing it up is because there's opportunities in each game that allow you to just punch it over. This would have been a huge win uh, for Kansas City because they would go 3-0, and and they would have been able yeah. to beat a very respectable Minnesota Vixen team. You know, that's top B. Kirsten Hansen is no joke. And if they would have beaten, beaten Kirsten Hansen and, you know, Jody uh, Redlander out there with the Vixen, that would have been a statement game for, uh, for Kansas City. But somehow, you know, decisions were made where in the fourth quarter, they go ahead and do the switchover, even though they were in a tight game. And so you get a pick. And, it, and so the, that's literally the end result of the loss. So you're right there in, every, in the whole game. And all of a sudden you decide that that's the changeover. And, I don't know. They started uh, leash at the beginning. They've been switching off for the first two games, uh, but they're not playing, you know, Mick, uh, Minnesota. The first two games they were playing, you know, uh, the Blaze, I believe, and then they played another uh, Wisconsin, which is not nothing compared to, uh, you know, tier, tier one caliber Minnesota. So I think the, the coaches need to review this, this film and maybe make a decision about who they're going to go forward with and make a firm commitment to. Um, and so, Committing to two quarterbacks is great, but I don't think that's going to be the solution or the uh, to, to keep you uh, going into a playoff mode. Am I am I wrong, Troy or Luis? Troy, do you want it? I was just going to say Brooke threw a lot of interceptions last year, so it makes me wonder if they're just messing with stuff, trying to see what's the best decision maker. That's my guess. Yeah, Troy, what's your thoughts? I mean, honestly, I just think it, okay, it's just the same as you know, if you have a you have a you know a nice decent car that you drive to work every every weekend, right? But you know, you went ahead and you know your your rich uncle he just said, oh man, you know I'm kind of done with this Ferrari. I don't I don't need it anymore, you know. And you have a Ferrari now in the garage, so you know your car is reliable. But every now and then you keep looking at that Ferrari. You want to, I want to see how it drives. And so that's what you do. You know, that's that's what one of the one of the quarterbacks is. One of the quarterbacks is a Ferrari, and they just want to see what they have because they're so athletic. They may not be as experienced, but and they may not be as reliable. But you just want to see it in action. I just think that's what it is with some with, with a lot of coaches. You know, they they have one guy, one 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 quarterback that they really want to see out there, but they also know that they have an extremely reliable quarterback that they have a whole lot of respect for, also on the line. And plus, you know, depending upon the offense, you might want to give them a break sometimes. I mean, we saw how Utah was running up and down the field 
I mean, they, they might need a break. Think those quarterbacks probably need to breathe every now and then. Yeah, so uh, we'll see how you know we'll see how it turns out in the uh, system that they have right now currently, but a uh, big loss uh, for them uh, because they're tier one and they got beat by a tier two team, so that says a lot. So we'll see how they rebound at this point and see if they keep the same system going here uh, in terms of you know Kansas City going into uh, next weekend. I think they host Madison Blaze, which. They should win. They have beaten Madison before. So, um, you know, and Madison is obviously not tier one. So we were, you know, at this point, the Titans should get a rebound win. And we'll see how they, uh, how that works out next weekend as well. But, uh, you know, crucial loss, a uh, lot of questions to do there. And we'll see if, uh, you know, and I'm pretty sure Brooks played more than one position because as you're alluding to, uh, um, uh, Luis, if they only had 20 players, Versus forty, uh, you knew everybody was playing uh, both sides. Yeah. So that that would have been tough too. So um, so we'll you know we won't know what they were thinking, but te- technically they get a loss. It's a very tough loss for them. Uh, the opportunity was there for them to get three and zero. So now they they got to muster up, pick themselves up, and then they got to rebound and they get they get to host uh, Madison Blaze. So um, so let's go, Troy. Let's go into this battle. The Passion, uh, 44-41, they defeat Boston Renegades. Very good matchup, very good game. Uh, We knew uh, Pittsburgh was back because Horton was back. (laughs) So I already knew as soon as they made that change, and Louise, you alluded to it last year about how, you know, she was was a receiver, now she's back in the fold as a quarterback. So uh, I just kind of had a feeling that, you know, it was Cahill versus Horton, very classic matchup in the in the uh, this past weekend. Yeah, I mean that was kind of the game that I wanted to you know kind of pay the most attention to because I mean those are two heavyweights uh, on that eastern uh, on the eastern side on, in the division, and I just think um, you know that was really the game that I really wanted to see. Um, you know, especially both teams wanting to expand upon what they did last season. Um, especially Pittsburgh. I mean, you know, I just think right now Pittsburgh might be the team to beat, you know, and, and you know, to, to make it to the championship game because of, you know, how they built over the years. And, you know, seems maybe D.C. is kind of backsliding a little bit and Dallas may be right for the taking, um, you know, having, you know, what divided with them. So Pittsburgh, I think, may be on the rise. And that seems to be the team that I'm, you know, looking at as far as leading everything out there. Louise, what's your thought on the uh, on the Pittsburgh win? They edge uh, Boston there, so it's big win for them. Well, the frustrating thing is, is that I haven't been able to see either team play. I mean, I I tried to find footage of that and tried to find footage of their other games. I even talked to Amanda from D.C. because they had played Boston, and I said, seriously, how come your games are not being streamed? These are, you know, these are the big games of WFA football. This is big. This is, this is your marquee matchups. I mean, I, it just stinks that you can't see them. I mean, she's like, well, they're on our huddle accounts. I said, well, that's great. doesn't help me at all. Um, but anyway. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Yeah, it's just frustrating because those are great games and you want to see who's playing. But, um, you know, we can 
stay away from that one, I guess, because, yeah, when teams have to come up with their own streams all the time, it's not the cheapest thing. Um, I I remember we talked to Amanda. Amanda really liked uh, Lisa Horton as wide receiver, and so that was her opinion. I just really like Lisa Horton as the quarterback. She can run. She can throw. She's the consummate leader. And I and I can't say I don't know the other quarterback that they had last year, so I, you know, can't say anything. But um, and Pittsburgh's a big squad. Boston's a big squad. Just sounds like it was a great game, close. And obviously Lisa and Cahill have been around a long time, so they know how to play some football. Yeah, legendary Lisa Horton is what we need to say uh, because yeah, very good job. So it's Cahill Cahill versus Horton. That was a huge matchup. Very disappointed in the WFA not making an effort to either live stream that game or Facebook Live, you know, quarter by quarter or something like that. So uh, Boston, I was getting the updates from Boston, the Boston Renegades. Um, so it was really good clash there. Um, so 44-41, Boston goes to 2-1. and one. Uh, Pittsburgh goes to 2-0 and oh with the forfeit versus Cleveland or the scrimmage, call it. Um, so you got forfeited there, so 2-0 and oh there. Um, Troy, let's talk about Atlanta Phoenix beats down the Dallas beat seven to zero in the last couple of minutes, but, uh, my sources and everybody's telling me, uh, Dallas elite injury prone early in the game. So there's a lot of injuries they're working through. Um, so that might've been a factor, but they played tough till the end. And so Atlanta just edge out Dallas elite six zero and Atlanta got edged Six to zero. Uh, I'm sorry, seven zero against uh, Elite. Six zero the week before they get edged by Alabama Fire. So um, this uh, this Phoenix team is defensively is pretty tough. They're not giving up much much scoring. Yeah, I mean that seems to me that you know that's the side of the ball that they really spend a lot of concentration on, and um, you know that that's I mean they they go they're going by the old adage defense wins championships I mean that seems to be a super championship defense on that side not allowed I mean just you know holding teams to the amount of points they're holding to so Luis I mean they they've been playing competitive ball uh, even against the Inferno uh, which they edged the Inferno seven to six and then they get beat by Alabama zero and now they uh, they ba- they basically beat a pretty, pretty injury-prone Dallas elite squad, which we knew coming in, uh, Ellen, uh, Miss Ellenson said, you know, hey, a, a bunch of rookies plus veterans, and, and you know when injuries start to uh, accumulate, uh, some of the rookies need to step up, and that obviously is inexperienced, so that could cause obviously some issues as well. So um, they just get edged by a touchdown, so it's not such a horrific loss, but at the same time, it's almost as getting beat by 70-0 to some people. Yeah, you know, it was interesting to watch that game because they're both big teams. Um, you know, it was a bummer for Atlanta to lose that game to the Division Three. I'm sure that that stung and hurt. But they are a very good defensive team. They have good speed at the linebacker spot, and they're big. And um, my take on Dallas was, they just weren't sharp. They didn't execute very well. They didn't look like a well-oiled machine, and uh, they just couldn't keep their drives going. And, and Rachel Gore's back, but she hasn't played quarterback for a couple years, and it's just different. It's just different. And I could tell that Atlanta had good speed because they kept running her down. 
and Gore's not slow. And the Falcons played against Gore four years ago, and she's swift and runs well. And and I just thought Dallas just didn't look crisp. And if they have a lot of rookies, then that's going to happen. And, well, we know they have a lot of rookies. Were their rookies playing a lot? Were that was the base of their team? I don't know. Uh, I'd like to see Atlanta score more, I think, because I had them highly ranked when we did our rankings. And yep. uh, I just I think they need to score more. I get concerned because they really haven't scored a ton. And I know that it was a rain game that they lost last week, and so that is what it is. But they're a run-based team, so when you have that kind of size and that kind of speed, you've got to you got to punch it in. So, anyways, that was another. When I watch those kind of teams, they just look like small college men because they're just so big and they've got great speed and their bodies are just. I just think, wow, those are that that looks like some real football right there. So. Those are the kind of games that need to be on. I didn't think it was the cleanest game. I really, I actually liked the the execution of the Minnesota Casey game lots better. But you know, it's the beginning of the year, so people get better. Oh yeah, and Dallas, I think, is injured. Uh, they lost their two running backs, um, so that's going to be a crucial hit for them too. No run game there, yeah. and uh, Rachel maybe forced to throw, and like you said, with the with the uh, Phoenix Heat coming from the defense, that was crucial. But uh, you know, nothing, nothing major that they can't fix. Uh, something that they can rebound on. And Dallas is still uh, at this point, um, they're one and one, so not a bad deal. They, they can rebound from this as well. Um, we have the, we haven't talked about the Shockwave, which is the Portland Shockwave. Uh, they win 39-14 against Tacoma. Last year, they were very relevant. They didn't make the playoffs because of issues and stuff like that with the leagues and stuff. But it looks to me like they're looking to make a statement. They're 3-0. and They're winning what they're, you know, what's put in front of them. And so the shockwave looks very impressive uh, within the three weeks that they play. They play L.A. I think it's next week or the week after. I can't remember off the top of my head. But L.A. has to drive to Portland or fly. And but LA hasn't played yet, so that'll be a big game. Fresh legs in Los Angeles, anticipation for them. Uh, Los Angeles takes on the Rebellion this weekend. We'll see how their outing is, uh, especially with all this, you know, all the forfeits and everything that's happened to them. Um, they'll take on San Diego Rebellion this coming weekend. Uh, Portland will take on Everett this coming weekend. So. Um, it looks like they might go 4-0, and they're the Northwest staple right now in the WFA, and, and I'm pretty sure they got a chip on their shoulder if they want to get into the playoffs. They also have a smaller roster. They only have low 20s, and I know L.A. has a bigger roster, and several of them are listed as players from Fresno or Angels. Uh, and Lisa's playing, and so and her husband's coaching. So yeah, and that's what I'm. That'll be a, that's a week. Week five is the one you're alluding to, which is uh, Los Angeles yeah. taking on uh, Portland. A week five, but they they get they take care. Of, they have to play Everett before that. So I'm I'm assuming you know nothing's guaranteed, but I'm assuming they're um, this coming weekend they play Everett, so they should be able to punch it in, go four and zero. So um, Shockwave Nation out there excited. They're undefeated and they're looking to make a statement in that uh, Upper Northwest as being the best team. Um, you guys, 
let's see here. We got 10 minutes here. Let's go into week four in the WFA. Um, Troy, we have DC Divas taking on Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh just coming off this big win against Boston. Divas uh, taking off a, a star right and the uh, Phantoms, as she just alluded to, there were obviously injuries and stuff, and they get they got beat 57 to zero. So this is a huge game for both teams, uh, more so I think for DC. Yeah, I mean after that, you know, their first loss, um, you know, was a was a tight loss, and but that's that's a kind of what DC the DC Divas have kind of done the past uh, two years. Also, they lost their opener, and uh, what they they you know got a chance to rebound. I mean, it's a little bit different now for their leadership structure, you know, being changed, and a lot of players have changed out right now. So. Will, this is this is going to be a good test for D.C., and, and I, I, their coaching staff has to be excited to see how their team is supposed to respond to that, especially with all the changes that they have going on. And They kind of got back on track last week with the, with the depleted Philadelphia team. But to me right now, I think Pittsburgh is the cream of the crop in their division, and this would be a great test for D.C. This, is, this will see how much you know their young players have been developed. Uh, since their first game, and did learn anything from that loss, and and also take something from the win. So it's going to be a huge game. It's going to be a road game. Um, so looking forward to seeing what the results are for that one. All right, Louise, I'm going to throw it to you here. We got Nighthawks who have been playing lights out ball. They go to New York. New York obviously has been playing really good, edge games, really close games. Um, against the Nighthawks, they played, I believe, week two. So this is a rematch kind of game. So uh, who do you go with? Oh, totally New York. Totally. All right, New I'm going to take. I'm going to. I'm going to take. I'm going to take Baltimore. I think they're hungry. Okay. They almost had the win. I think. I think it's uh, the Nighthawks take the win. We'll see uh, what it turns out. Um, Luis, we got Renegades hosting Cleveland Fusion, which we have not seen. This is their first outing. I hope they don't get blown out. Yeah, Boston's going to be all mad. So they're going <laughs> to. This is the Patriots. This is the Patriots Back. after a loss, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Adrian like, Smith like and company, they're like, yeah, okay, you're not coming in my home and embarrassing us two yeah. weeks in a row. You know, it's not happening. Uh, I feel one of the for girls you, on the Falcons. Yeah, one of the girls on the Falcons, she's a D, D, D tackle. And sometimes she would say, night, night, Bean. Night, night. You know, just any time that they stuffed a play <laughs> or something like that. So I think that's what Boston's going to say. Night, night. Oh, <laughs> wow. I know. Really I, I, going up against Cahill, it's Jackson against Cahill. So I know Jackson's pretty talented out there in Cleveland, but uh, we'll see how it turns out. But Boston, yeah. we get Boston the edge here. Uh, Phoenix. Yeah. Going against Carolina Phoenix, Carolina Phoenix, a disaster on a roster mode. Uh, uh, they're, they're having the same issues, injuries plus low numbers. I think that's a factor. So I'm assuming the way Atlanta's in defense, uh, Carolina really has to come play ball. Otherwise, they're going to not win this game. Um, Troy, we're looking at uh, where we have Vixen taking on the Detroit Dark Angels. And so uh, Detroit – Coming into this game, feeling pretty well. They're two and zero. Now they're taking on Minnesota, and uh, Minnesota obviously in the same boat here. They wanted to get the road win, and so uh, they're three and zero. And so it's going to be a great clash here. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Minnesota. Um, I think they kind of have the pedigree, um, you know. For well, well, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? Let me change that. Let me change it. I'm gonna go with Detroit. I just no, you know, don't do that, Detroit. Detroit. Don't do it. I'm Uh-oh. gonna go with Detroit. I'm gonna do there it. You go. I'm gonna do it. There. I want to see. Angels, I want to see um, how to this good fortune that they have right here. That's what I want to see. I want to see Detroit. I want to see how Detroit. He's thinking the, the Angels are hungry for three zero. It's good. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going. I'm going Detroit. I'm sticking to it. I'm not changing my mind. I think they're on the rise. I think this is a time where they can, they can make strides and see who they are. Um, and this would be a good test for them. All right, um, uh, uh, Bean. Uh, at the yep. impact taking on a. Uh, Riddled Dallas Elite. Oh, you know, the impact just really struggles. Say that last part again. Are you there? Troy, you I still think there? You yeah, I'm still here. I know. I think the Arlington Impact, they just struggle against the Dallas team. So. I still got Dallas Elite winning. Yeah, even even with all the injuries, I, I'm I'm probably in the same boat. I just think um, you know they just have more experience on that team, and um, I think that in the end, then to get them over the top. I, I just want to see. I mean, how are they going to respond? I mean, are they getting some of their players back this week? That's you know that's something we really don't know right now, and. Um, even with that, I mean, they're bringing in so many, so many new people on their team. It's going to be uh, maybe it's a chemistry issue. I mean, that's something you know we also got to keep our eye on. It's different when they have a, that many wholesale changes. You know, going from virtually you know half the team is gone, and you got to bring in half a new team. So it, it's definitely going to be some growing pains with them. But I think they get I back think- on track this week. Yeah, I think what's hard is if you have – I remember uh, their coach came on and he said they had 14 players at their first meeting, the Dallas. And you come from a, being a world champion, and then you start with 14. And, it's yeah, like I said, it's always an adjustment to have brand-new rookies, and you can't teach them that mentality. It just only comes with experience. And so as a returner, it can be really frustrating if you don't have the right leadership in play, the right leadership, the right leadership model – and some patience to help your rookies get caught up to speed. So their coaches sound like great coaches, but you know it's still humans against humans. So exactly. I mean, especially you know when it comes to you know being a coach, you got to be a parent and a psychologist, <laughs> and a little bit of everything, man. So it's hard to manage all those personalities and then not be some kind of flux uh, that happens between them. So especially when you lose a game. So I, I just want to see, like you said, what is the leadership structure going to be like? Are, are they going to go on the finger point, or are they going to get mad and, and galvanize and bring it together? And then, you know, go into this next game and, and, and look at it and, and get right, you know. Hey, uh, sorry back. I dropped off. There he is. Yeah, <laughs> I was uh, going through a mountain range, so I'm assuming I got just slapped out, which I did. Um, not cool. Um, so you guys were talking Dallas, uh, Dallas versus Arlington, right? Yep, we got Dallas. Okay, great. So the other the other game I'm interested in is Warriors uh, Rebellion. So we'll see how that turns out as well. Uh, Warriors against San Diego. 
And so uh, looking forward to that matchup as well. Um, so that's pretty much the slate. And then uh, the big four matchup is uh, Orlando runner-up, uh, Orlando and Anar- Anarchy taking on Tampa Bay Inferno. So that's a big matchup there. And then you also have the Florida matchup of Dixie Blues, who looked pretty good this year, against Miami Fury. So looking forward to those types of matchups uh, and talk about those next week. Um, I want to say thank you to uh, Tracy Day coming on. to be here every week. Uh, we're going to be basically co-hosting with us. And then uh, you'll have a star, a star right who came on. Really appreciate her making an effort uh, to come on. I know she's a busy lady. Talk about Philly Phantom football. And so big clashes in LMFA Feminina. Uh, we got big things in Gridiron Victoria and uh, the Diamond Bowl in uh, Sweden. Congratulations to the Birmingham Lions for winning the tournament that happened this past weekend, as well as the Italian team taking uh, winning against the Alpine Thunders in the uh, friendly of the FFFA from France as well. So big games there, big uh, action all over the globe. Keep up to, t- up to date on Facebook.com, Gridiron Beauties, and also on our Twitter feed at Gridiron Beauties. Don't forget to uh, add us on Snapchat uh, for Athlete Takeovers and No Joke Football Brand Specials. And you can follow us on Instagram, where you have the talented quarterback of the overall Black Knights. So check her out. Give her a like. Um, and you can get Instagram on our, uh, on our gallery, Amazing Athletes and Moments in Women's American Football. So you are listening to the podcast covering women's American football and NFL. Follow us on Block Talk Radio and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Um, Tori, Luis, it's been a great show. Uh, we had to uh, start right here, and then we were talking a lot of football. So, And we got some rants in, which is always kind of nice. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Holly feels much more cleansed out tonight. Yeah, she was, I think she was. I think she, went, she hung up the phone very in a very uh, good day, good light. <laughs> That's right. Not that it's it like dropping. It's like, it's like dropping the mic, like uh, our president, our former president. You know, just grab the mic and just drop it. Boom, there it is. Yep. No, no, just leave it right there. And yet, it doesn't even do anything. You know, it's not like tomorrow she's gonna have more games scheduled or something. It's just frustrating. Oh, <laughs> I know. So sad, but um, you know what? We support her because we know she's a she's an oh, awesome yeah. awesome superstar. So um, we're gonna continue to harp on, you know, the things that obviously need to be changed in the sport. And if some people feel uncomfortable, then uh, I guess they can always write to us, and it makes them feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, you know what? It's not yeah. like no other people think these things. These are true things that's going on. And if someone wants to come on and refute it, like you do on ESPN, more power to them. Or CNN or Fox News or MSNBC, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. If you don't agree, you know, come on. That's what news is. And Yeah. Anyway. Well, I, you know, I can tell you right now, we have passionate people on all the group boards, and they've all had great ideas. Just a matter of somebody trying to work with those ideas. And unfortunately, it hasn't happened. But we do have a lot of people that voice their their concerns on the group boards. So um, yeah, it was a great show. Episode 219. You can also get all the episodes, download over 200 episodes uh, of our, our podcast on Apple Podcasts. So you can listen to Troy as often as you want. So it's going to be great. So for Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez here, and Louise Bean, and for the uh, Holly Custis and Tracy Brick, we'll see you here next week on the Great Iron Blitz right here on Apple Podcasts and Block Talk Radio. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks.